You're listening to the Below the Yellow Line podcast from Hello, hello. Welcome to the ninth episode now already of Below the Yellow Line. It really is. We, uh, or last I checked anyway, we are one download away from 100 people downloading our podcast. Um, and that doesn't include the 87 people who have watched it on YouTube. So that, that's a small milestone, but it's it's a milestone. Um Nonetheless, because we are a very small community, very small podcast, very small YouTube channel, so that that does um, mean a lot. Emily, last time I saw your mom, she told me, she gave me some advice for the podcast. Um, She said that we need to A, ask a rhetorical question to the audience, something they can can chew on until the next episode, and B, uh, tell the audience about our lives and how we've been doing. So... I'm not sure how well that advice translates to a podcast like this where we are not really the central focus of what we're talking about. But if you want to, you can go ahead and lead off with that. I guess we can try it and see if it works. Uh, People, feel free to skip forward to this if you don't really care. But I'm just. What do you want me to say? Just talk about how your life's going or how you're doing or something. I don't know. (laughs) This is all advice from your mother. So. Yeah, she told me that she thinks we should um you know be just have like a funny podcast she's like forget nascar y'all are just funny i'm like yeah sure we'll we'll get right on that we can be funny and still talk about nascar at the same time i hope anyway i i agree i agree and i think that you know for the most part that's why our viewers are here but obviously like we're here to entertain them as well exactly yeah Um, we're here to make you guys laugh uh hopefully we don't make you cry so, um, yeah, things been good. I had McDonald's for dinner tonight. Ooh. So, tell me this. Okay. You, you, know, you know me. Like, I do. If I'm going to get chicken nuggets, where am I going? Raising, well, if Cane's had nuggets, you would go to Cane's, but they don't have nuggets, so you would go to Chick-fil-A for nuggets. Yeah, so you know, like, I love me some Cane's. Yes. They got strips. Yes. And they got the sauce. They, they uh, got the sauce. <laughs> they got the sauce. They're some uh, saucy boys. Like, I'm, I'm a chick I'm a Chick-fil-A person, like, yeah. through and through. It's absolutely. I, Same you here. Could, you could not pay me to eat McDonald's a lot of times, except I make muffin. Yeah. So, like, I don't Ooh. go to McDonald's after 10.30 in the morning or whatever time breakfast cuts off, 10, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much unless I get up early, which never happens. No. I am, because they stopped serving with muffins all day, like, in the COVID days. hmm But, like, the past month, I've had, like... Um, a six count nugget meal, Mc nugget, not just nuggets, Mc nugget. I know, right? Um, like, hmm, like many times in the past month, many, yeah. many times. No shame so in today, that. Today I was right. I was at Walmart, which is by Chick Fil A, <laughs> and and I went to McDonald's. That's crazy. That's like the first time that, in my life that's happened. That's an insane. That just if you're right by a Chick Fil A, you go to Chick Fil A. At least in my experience. As someone who so goes like, to a lot of places that are near Chick-fil-A's, yeah. Like, the Lowe's and the Walmart in my hometown are adjacent to a Chick-fil-A. And if I'm there at, like, 11, you know, there's no shame in driving over to the drive-thru and getting chicken sandwich. Speaking of the Chick-fil-A drive-thru and McDonald's, though, 
there was a time when I was going through the drive-thru there, and I totally said to the young guy, take him order, I said, hey, can I get the 12-count McNugget? And I realized what I said, and I, 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 I'm not joking when I said this. I said, I'm sorry to insult your, your restaurant like that. <laughs> because in my opinion, I've had McDonald's Nuggets maybe once, and they're not bad, per se. It's just not, you can so tell it's not real chicken. Or at least it's the most ground I up. I it was real chicken. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're not bad. There is absolutely nothing wrong with them. But that's I'm just a guy that's... Nugget, not a chicken nugget. Yeah. I mean, if <laughs> no you're... Ever, no, I would never claim there was chicken in it. If I want a product, if I want to eat, like, fried meat or something like that, I want it to be real meat. I don't want to eat processed, processed stuff. But that's don't, just... Don't Google it. No, I won't. I won't. I mean, I've seen videos of people making, like, imitation McDonald's nuggets, and it just really doesn't appeal to me at all. Um, <laughs> as for my... What's not, going on for you? Not much, honestly. Uh, me and my sister tonight, you can go check this out. I have not eaten any McDugget, uh, <laughs> McNuggets recently, no. Uh, did go to Tacos for Life yesterday. Had some, had some bus and cheese dip. Um, I know not everywhere in the U.S. has Tacos for Life. It's only the South, but if you're ever down here, go to a Tacos for Life because it's not authentic Mexican food or anything even close to that. But um, they got they got the best cheese dip in the in the fast food Mexican food game. Um, but Your yeah, not, uncle would argue with you on that one. He, he would. It. He would. Um, <laughs> it's. Yeah, not much else has happened. I mean, a lot's going to happen this weekend. Going to be moving into a new house. Hopefully getting a new studio put together for uh, for the YouTube channel. Get stuff looking a little prettier behind me. How the moves been going? Um, well, I haven't been taking part in that. Um, really, I've just uh-huh. been, been chilling um, up here. But it sounds like it's going good. Sounds like it's going all right. Um, took my dog on a walk this afternoon. Walked down to... Uh, to the to the golf course got a got a good selfie with mage um uh by a pond so that was that was fun yeah not much has happened so again if you skip past that i don't blame you at all because uh you know our lives aren't the most interesting thing but they make us laugh Mm -hmm. sometimes uh let's look at the itinerary here um let's go to the weather garage um the weather is going to be fantastic this weekend. It is going to be warm. It is a high of 82 on both Saturday and Sunday. On Friday, though, the high dips down to 81. So maybe bring a parka on Friday and shorts and sandals on Saturday and Sunday. Um, on, on Sunday, the low is 57 early in the morning. So um, this package, this new package that we're going to talk about later in the show is supposed to create... Um, less downforce the cars are supposed to slide a bit more and it looks like they will really be sliding on a hot and slick racetrack in phoenix arizona it's in the desert it's going to be hot and slick Um, so we're going to take our first short break and then come back and recap all things las vegas all right we are back after that incredibly long commercial break Um, it is time to recap all the action from las vegas um which honestly there wasn't a ton of action from Las Vegas. Um, if you want a quick synopsis of the race, uh, William Byron and Hendrick Motorsports beat the crap out of the field. Um, I think they led something like 240 laps, um, 
William Byron dominated the thing. He won the stages. He ended up winning the race, but Kyle Larson took the lead late. Uh, I think maybe like 60 laps to go is when he took the lead, and he didn't look back. He was about four and a half seconds ahead of William Byron, and then the caution came out for Eric Almarola. Uh Martin Schubeck stayed on the racetrack and um, got past by Byron, and Byron kind of ran away with it in the last lap and a half. So not a ton happened. Um, you can go listen to the post-race podcast if you want a full rundown of all the results. We'll talk about the points later in the um, later in the podcast. But Emily, what are your overall thoughts on this race? I know it wasn't the most intriguing or exciting uh, race we've ever seen at Las Vegas, but there were still some some noteworthy things to talk about. Um, gosh, I thought it was pretty exciting. Yeah, there at the end, kind of. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think it was a good showcase of good racing. Yeah, especially that stretch. I think it was like 75 laps to go to about 65 to go. That was some, that was awesome. There were guys going three and four wide, and it's like, I know it's getting late I'm in like, this thing, but chill, guys. You're all going to crash. <laughs> <laughs> and then Logano oh did end up crashing from like 15th. Yeah, but like, not bad. Like, I thought, I thought the crash would be worse. Yeah. Because really, for how they were racing. Exactly. There would have been more yeah, crashes. I'm surprised there was. I mean, I was surprised it was that far back in the field, and I was surprised it was only one car, um, to be quite honest. Yeah. So, yeah, not not a ton really happened. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a connoisseur of NASCAR podcasts. I listen to, like, six of them each week. Um, and the, uh, the consensus that I've heard is that teams are slowly figuring out the car, they are figuring out the new the new rules package that was introduced for intermediates with the next gen car, and we saw that with Hendrick. Like that was the that was probably the race in the Gen Seven era so far that has been most dominated by one team. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they they came out, they put their foot on the pedal. They had a one two three finish, and if Chase Elliott is in that race, they may very well finish one two three four. Um, because I mean, they were they. No one could stop Hendrick Motorsports. You know, JGR was up there, Bubba was up there. Some some Toyotas were there, but I mean, they couldn't touch. I think third place at one time was like ten seconds back of William Byron, and Larson was seven seconds back. I mean, Hendrick is just they they proved that you know sometimes they're not always going to get off to the best start of the year. They'll go seven or eight races without winning one, and then they'll do what they did on Sunday, and Hendrick will just you know have a one two three finish or a race where they lead 300 laps and you'll be like oh yeah that's the winningest team in nascar history that's why yeah um i mean they absolutely dominated the field and truex nearly stole one there at the end i give i give credit to him for taking that risk but um yeah he very nearly very nearly stole one um i didn't put this on the itinerary and i'm not sure how i missed it but we are going to look at the playoff standings now um, and yes, I know we are talking about playoffs. It's only week three, but I always like to talk about them as soon as possible because A, it fills time, and B, it's something else for me to look at. So Kyle Busch, William Byron, Ricky Stenhouse are already locked into the playoffs. Emily, I know you said on the podcast uh, Sunday night that you're a little surprised to see those three specific guys locked in at this point. Um, yeah. Yeah. It makes you wonder, like, what it's going to look like later in the season. Like, who is going to be locked in? Exactly. Especially a guy like Stenhouse, who's kind of already, he's kind of, you know, taking up a spot that he likely wouldn't receive just on points without a win. So, 
you know, is it going to be like a situation like last year where you have a guy like Martin Truex left out of the postseason? Um, yeah. But Bush, Stenhouse, Byron, they are all locked in. Ross Chastain currently leads the regular season standings, and he is 60 points to the good right now on the playoff cut line, and he's probably feeling it pretty good, as is Alex Bowman. He and Daniel Suarez are the only three dri- are the only two drivers sorry, uh, to have three top tens in the first three races, and I believe Bowman was top ten in the clash as well. The only race where he wasn't top ten this year was the dual race, where he intentionally went to the back to preserve his pole position starting spot for the 500. He is off to a great start, new crew chief. Um, it was a contract year that he signed that four-year extension, so he doesn't have that pressure on him anymore, but still having a great year. Uh, Kevin Harvick is plus 39. Again, um, I'll say it for the 10th time, um, he's probably going to need to join Chase Elliott in the hospital soon because his back is going to be breaking from carrying Stuart Haas Racing. We're going to talk about that later. But SHR is just a hot mess right now. Daniel Suarez is plus 35. Truex plus 33, your boy Denny Hamlin plus 30 to the cut line right now. Uh, Christopher Ooh. Bell plus 25, Joey Logano plus 23, Chris Buescher plus 21, Brad Keselowski plus 18, both RFK cars currently in. Kyle Larson only 16 to the good, but still probably feeling all right. Ryan Blaney plus 12, and Bubba Wallace currently holds the last playoff spot by, by a huge margin of plus zero points. I don't know if anyone's going to be able to overcome that. We will see. Austin Sendrick is the first guy out. He is, well, minus zero. So, again, I, I don't know if he'll be able to make that up. I really don't. Uh, Corey LaJoy, three top 20s to start the year. Really happy for him. He's minus one. Almondinger and Gibbs, minus 15 and 16, respectively. Al Arola, McDowell, both 17 points back. Haley, 19 back. Burton, 23 back. Austin Dillon, 27 back. Todd Gilland, 28 back, um, and he is not in the 38 this week. We're going to talk about that later as well, but um, Zane Smith can be running, I think, four or five races, um, and he'll be relegated back to the 15 card this weekend. Eric Jones, 32 back. That's surprising. Cody Ware, um, I was praising him last week for being 22nd. He's now 28th, uh, 34 back, as is Noah Gregson. And you have Ryan Priest, Chase Briscoe, Tyler Reddick, all off to horrific starts to the year. B.J. McLeod, J.J. Yaley, Ty Dillon round out the field there. Uh, they're not going to make it in. They're, they're non-factors. <laughs> um, so, Emily, anybody right now that you're a little surprised that is in the playoffs? or uh, and, and anybody right now that you're surprised is either out of the playoffs or barely in the postseason? Really just, you know, the people locked in right now that I'm like, hmm. This is not what I would have predicted. Yeah. Other than that, you know, it's just it's so hard to predict right now. Yeah, it it is shaping up though. You know, I think after last week, um, you know, you were seeing guys like Larson, Byron, they're out, and you're kind of wondering, okay, I mean, I know it's only two races, but it's kind of time to start, get, you know, get going a little bit. And now looking at it, you see maybe Cindric, but he's you know he's literally zero points out. He's tied right now. Um, right, he's right there. He's like as close as you can be without being in. AJ Allmendinger, eh, a lot of people are seeing him as a dark horse playoff guy, but he's 41 years old and it's his first time back full time in the Cup Series in four years. Ty Gibbs, he's a rookie. Eric Almarola, he's Eric Almarola. He's you know not gonna. If you think he's much more than a mid tier driver right now, I don't know what to tell you. Michael McDowell, 
might want to see a little bit more of him. But other than that, there really are no big surprises aside from maybe Briscoe and Reddick. I wasn't really expecting Ryan Priest to get off to that big of a start, nor Justin Haley. Um, I don't know what Austin Dillon's doing, floundering around. Um, but Briscoe and Reddick are, I think, the biggest surprises right now just because we know what Reddick can do. I mean, we absolutely know what a talent he is. I'm not sold on Chase Briscoe yet, but, but we'll see. Last thing here before we stop talking about these standings, I do want to look at the manufacturer standings only because my favorite manufacturer, the bow ties, those beautiful yellow gold-ish bow ties are leading them by 22 points over Ford or uh, Toyota and Ford. They have won all three points races and that makes me very happy. So we're going to take our second short break and then come back and talk about the subject that everybody's raving about, Chase Elliott. All right, again, I, these way long commercial breaks, we got to stop this. Um, the thing that everybody has been talking about, though, is Chase Elliott. Um, news broke on Friday. Well, we didn't know it then, but, but he, he fractured his tibia or broke his tibia. He did something to his, to his darn tibia um, that, that obviously didn't make it feel very good. Um, we now know that he will be out approximately six weeks. There's wiggle room on that. That sounds like an insanely short amount of time to recover from um, that substantial of an injury. But again, pro athletes are just—they're—they're they're built different, to say the least, on on how quickly they can recover. They get the best medical attention in the world. Um, we'll talk later about whether drivers should be doing stuff like Chase Elliott was. Um, I'm kind of split. But we do know now that it'll be about six weeks. So that puts him back at about Martinsville, Talladega-ish, which if I'm coming back from any type of injury, I don't know if Talladega is the first track I want to race at. So I might go Martinsville if I can just to get that, you know, get the nerves out of you, shake a little bit of rust off. Um, but Emily, what are your what are your opinions on, on Chase Elliott right now and his potential return? How, how, uh, how much do you think that'll affect the overall playoff picture? Oh gosh, you know, you know. Assuming he gets the waiver, and assuming he comes back ready to race, he's probably going to be in the playoffs. Yeah. Like he, he's a great guy. He, he's a great racer, and he's going to come back, and he's going to do awesome. Um, I truly believe that. Um, that said, he's in a unique position right now, in that you know he's going to feel so behind when he gets back, and so yeah. hopefully um, his recovery goes well, and he can get back and and get rolling but you know he's probably hurting right now not just physically but <laughs> mentally exactly um, having to be away and having to know that well you know his his team is in different hands it's it's not the same yeah you hit the nail on the head there i remember there's a there's an it almost makes me cry which is a weird thing to say but uh there's an interview i think from 1996 uh with dale Earnhardt. so he had a horrible crash at talladega he flipped on his roof and i can't remember what he injured but but they made a whole new roll bar they made a whole new piece of safety equipment inside the race car specifically because of it and they called the earnhardt bar but he was hurt and um he went to to watkins Glen, qualified the car um and 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 couldn't race it fully because just you know, when you're at a road course, the G's on your body, especially an injured body, is just so intense. Um, and then I think they went to the brickyard the next week, and he just couldn't drive the car at all. He couldn't even start the race, I don't think. Or maybe he made one lap, but he said to, to, to Dr. Jerry Punch in an interview 
that it's the hardest thing to do as a race car driver is see somebody else get in your race car with your team in a race that you should have a chance to win. And I true I truly believe that. You know, as a race car driver, purely as a race car driver, you know, taking away um, you know, from from personal issues, personal life like that as as a race car driver in your profession, I absolutely believe that the toughest thing you can possibly do is not not even to get injured in racing. But just see somebody drive a car with your name above the door, um, with your name on the windshield, with your crew guys out there. I can't imagine what Chase Elliott's feeling. And that goes for every driver that's ever had to miss a race and see somebody else pilot their race car. Even when, in, you know, you said it, you know, he's in physical pain, but he's also in mental pain. It can't feel good to to see somebody, especially... You know, I'm not saying this this adds or detracts from it, but especially seeing how dominant his teammates were. I mean, if he's in that race, he's probably going to have a chance to win it, and that just that I mean that likely makes the pain even worse for him because man, it's just it's like seeing somebody put on your jersey with your number and your name on it and going out there and playing a baseball game or a hockey game or a football game or a soccer game or whatever it may be. Um, and think about it. That doesn't happen in any other sport. Exactly. It doesn't. It, you're completely right. It, it'd be like that, but that doesn't happen. I mean, you don't really see, you know, if a guy gets injured in any of those other sports I mentioned, you're not going to go put on their jersey. You're going to get a sub from the bench. Um, but in NASCAR, they're going to have to drive your car. It's not like they can just magic a new car out of thin air. You know, they're going to get a new seat. They're going to get a suit made for them. They might change the, the name of the door. They might not, but they're not changing the number or the sponsor or your crew guys who are, who are the, the equivalent of your teammates. And you're absolutely right. You know, this other athletes and other sports don't have to deal with this. Um, and it's so unfortunate for Chase because he was primed to have a great year after the year he had last year where he was the championship favorite until, until Phoenix, really, until Joey Logano won the championship um it's just it's it's a shame um it really is unfortunate for him um it's an unfortunate deal all the way around um but we do know now who will be replacing him for those approximately six weeks so we know josh barry xfinity series driver for junior motorsports in the number eight he drove at las vegas um and he will be filling in on all five you know uh, likely ovals. Uh, that'll be, you know, he'll be filling on more of the ovals if Chase Elliott can't go at Martinsville, Talladega, further on down the road. But IMSA star Jordan Taylor, who I've honestly hardly ever heard of, I had to Google him to see who he was, he will drive the nine at Circuit of the Americas on, I believe, March 26th. Uh, we know Chase Elliott's one of the best road course racers in the sport. This will be Jordan Taylor's first NASCAR start. Um, I think we'll do fine. I think Josh Berry, I know, right? <laughs> kind of that's get, kind of getting thrown to the wolves. Like he hasn't even been in Xfinity. Yeah, no Xfinity, no trucks. I mean, he's purely a sports car driver, from what I can tell. Where they find him? I don't. I mean, he. I mean, he's a very talented road racer, but again, I'm a little weird, wary of just chunking a guy in there. But we'll see how it works out. I mean, they obviously know what they're doing a little bit, I guess. Uh, but he'll be driving the car at Coda. I think Josh Berry's going to do fine. He's getting simulator time. He's going to be in a more comfortable seat, which, yes, that does matter. Um, but 
I, I think he'll do fine. I wouldn't be surprised if he even snagged a top 10 uh, in one of these few races, especially because he's a short track ace. We're going to uh, we're going to Richmond, I believe, in this stretch. So very likely could uh, have a really good run here. Uh, just going to get some more driver news out of the way before we talk about the new aero package debuting this weekend. Uh, Zane Smith uh, will be racing. I put 36 on the Google Doc. It's the 38. He will be basically replacing Todd Gilland this weekend. Todd will be relegated to the 15. Uh, it's trying to get Zane Smith, who's front row motorsports. Um, he's their young prospect. Going to be getting him some seat time. Connor Daly, speaking of CODA, Circuit of the Americas, we already got one road course specialist in there. How about three? We're going to have Connor Daly, who, Emily, if you remember, he was the guy who drove that, that car in the duels that was bouncing around. He drove that horrible 50 car in the Daytona 500. Um yeah. IndyCar legend. Um, he will be back in NASCAR at Circuit of the Americas. Hopefully his car won't be following Van Halen's instructions and jumping at uh, in Austin. And then Kimi Raikkonen, who made his first NASCAR Cup Series start last year at Watkins Glen for Trackhouse in that Project 91 car, trying to bring drivers from all different disciplines of racing into NASCAR. And he did fine until he got wrecked by Austin Dillon, so he will be back at Circuit of the Americas. So I think you probably haven't heard of, of either of those guys, but I think it will be fun, especially with Jordan Taylor in the field and, and really competitive equipment, um, to see three road course ringers. Um, they get get back on a road course together and, and really see uh, see what all they can do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, going to take another little short or, you know, really long commercial break, and then we'll talk more about this new aero package debuting at Phoenix. All right, so just a few more things here before we go into into in a ugh, gosh, I can't talk into our actual Phoenix preview and and uh, but there's there's a lot of news um, and something really important this weekend and for the rest of the NASCAR season on the short tracks is a whole new rules package, a whole new aero package. So uh, NASCAR at the beginning of the year. Um, wet weather, it said wet weather equipment will be required, not just at road courses, but at some short tracks as well. They did rain testing. They said, all right, if we're in a monsoon, we can race now. Not, not really a monsoon, but you know, some light rain, a light drizzle. Uh, so the Charlotte Roval, the Chicago street course, Circuit of the Americas, uh, the Indianapolis road course, Martinsville, New Hampshire, North Wilkesboro, Richmond, Sonoma, Watkins Glen, and the site of this weekend's race at Phoenix. So the spoiler is going to down to two inches. It is a very small spoiler. There's going to be a few tweaks underneath the car, three diffuser strakes, which I guess are those those pointy lines on the diffuser, uh, uh, three engine panel strakes, and the diffuser's outer fencing, which no, I don't understand what most of that means either. Uh, some of those will be removed. Um, and all total, that's going to be a 30% downforce reduction. Dr. Eric Jacuzzi, that's a great last name, told NASCAR.com that we are now in a downforce level that we haven't been at since pre-2000s for sure, like mid-90s. And those mid 90 short track races were chef's kiss. I mean, they were they were awesome. So the changes were inspired by the Garage 56 program, which is what they're doing uh, with Lamar in NASCAR, but that's big. It's it's hopefully going to make the races better. Um, hopefully, you know, it'll create more handling issues, which isn't good for the drivers, but it's good for us, the fans, 
because it leads to more passing. So I know you might not have understood, as I didn't either, all the stuff going on there, but, but downforce reduction should make this racing better. What do you think the racing will be like at these short tracks? Last year, the short tracks were awful, and the road courses were mid, to use more Gen Z language. How do you think this will affect the short tracks and road courses uh, moving forward, and do you think the racing will be better or worse for it? Oh, gosh. I don't know. That, <laughs> that went right over my head. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, honestly. Parts of that, just, I don't understand what all they're talking about, but it sounds like they might make it better. Who knows? Let's pretend, let's pretend I know. It's going to be great. Yeah. Great. Fantastic. And yeah, it's going to be super. And I mean, racing's going to be great. I hope so. I especially hope if, if the first North Wilkesboro race that I get to watch like live where I'm actually alive is a bad race, then I might just cry because I'm really looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to getting to see. So, Emily, just to put in perspective, you were only – you weren't – I don't think you were even three years old when North Wilkesboro ran its last race in the NASCAR Cup Series. Um it's a track that we've wanted back for a while, and if they messed up with the aero package and make North Wilkesboro a bad race, then I'm going to be very sad. Um, that's all we got on that. Again, we're not the most best professional people to talk about on that, but it sounds like from everything I've read and heard and watched that the uh, the short track races and road courses will be better. Um, next up, oh. This has been a big topic, a big heated, debated topic all week. Should drivers be allowed, whether it's it's mentioned in contracts, whether it's just a mutual hand, uh, you know, handshake agreement, should drivers be allowed to uh, partake in extracurricular activities outside racing that seem dangerous, or that include racing, like you know, drag racing, midget cars. Um, late model stuff like that so emily i want to get your take on this first because i think uh i might be wrong i think you called chase elliott an idiot for snowboarding friday night in that video we made i may be wrong on that i may be wrong but I what are your video evidence of that <laughs> i don't think we have that <laughs> but but what are your what are your opinions should drivers be allowed to do actually curricular activity should it be more in their better judgment you know what, what's your take on all this about this because a chase Elliott is a veteran snowboarder but the thing is joey logano is a veteran race car driver and he still crashed right just because you're a veteran at something just because you're incredibly skilled does not mean you are exempt from something going wrong and i think drivers are people too let's get that out of the way first drivers are not mechanically programmed robots that are designed to drive race cars in circles for three hours each week for the entertainment of millions of people they are human beings with families and lives and they should be able to live their lives without being i mean as someone who has seen the rapid growth of 
scrutiny and athletes being put under a microscope more than ever before. I mean, just athletes, especially NASCAR drivers, should be allowed to live their lives um, and be normal people. That being said, again, if you are a guy like Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, they love dirt racing. That's great. But that's so it's it's just dangerous stuff. Do it in the off season. Yeah, do it in the. That's what I'm saying. Do it in the off season. I mean, if you and and if you do it in the off season, do it at the beginning of the off season, where if there is any significant injury, it is likely that you will be able to get healed, if not by the clash of the Daytona 500, by the first two or three weeks. Because I mean, like you said, this is. I mean, it's not just your your salary, your income. Chase Elliott is now missing multiple sponsorship obligations that he signed. A deal with Napa for he's missing all of that. Um, yeah, I just I, I mean, don't. I get that you have to live your life, and I am fine with them doing that. But you just have to use good. Ju- and I'm not saying Chase Elliott was using poor judgment. If nothing had happened, if this ski trip was completely uneventful, we wouldn't be hearing about it. We wouldn't be having this discussion. But the thing is, he something did go wrong. We are having this discussion, and it's risk versus reward. The reward is having a good time. The risk is you're out of a race car, which is your pride and joy and your passion for seven weeks. And I just, I understand having a life, but it's, again, like you said, it's just, I think the risk far outweighs any reward to be gained here. Um, I just, I don't really understand Um, what he was thinking. That's what he was thinking. Yeah. So, I mean, oh, well, Chase. Um, we still love him. We still love him. He's still the face of the sport. Um, you know who's not the face of the sport right now, though, Emily? Three drivers who drive for Stuart Haas Racing. Ryan Priest, Chase Briscoe, and Eric Almerol. I'm going to try to keep this short because I'm going to rant about this hey. later, I'm sure. Who? <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm just being mean over here. Yes, you're such a mean person. Um, But again, like I said, Kevin Harvick, the poor man is just having to do so much for Stuart Haas racing. And the thing is, it wasn't always like this. I mean, when Kevin Harvick came to Stuart Haas... In 2014, you had Tony Stewart, who was on the decline, but all right. You had Kurt Busch, who was still consistently winning races. You had Danica Patrick, who was terrible, but at least she brought in the sponsorship dollars. And were they only a three? Yeah, they were only a three-car team then. Um, You fast forward to 2018, you have all four cars in the playoffs, all four cars winning races. You fast forward to 2023... You have Kevin Harvick, who is still a very solid driver, but he's in his final year of competition. A major sponsor and Bush Beer is leaving. You have Eric Almarola, who's in the twilight years of his career with a sponsor in Smithfield Bacon that is likely leaving when he goes out the door. You have Ryan Priest, who is a very talented driver, but is still raw and unproven, who, you know, not a ton of Cup, cup Series experience and good equipment. And you have Chase Briscoe, a young rookie who's shown flashes of greatness, but at the same time has, you know, run 30th, basically, in all three races. Um, <laughs> it's, And you can't say it's like Jekyll and Hyde because it's like 
you know, Jekyll 25% Hyde. I don't know which one's the good one, or maybe they're both bad. I don't know. I just use that expression without really knowing completely what it means. But you get what I'm saying here. Kevin Harvick is the one good slice of bread, and Ryan Priest, Eric Amarola, and Chase Briscoe are the three moldy slices of bread. And this could absolutely change. In the next three weeks, Eric Amarola, Chase Briscoe, and Ryan Priest could all win, lock themselves into the playoffs. Kevin Harvick can win the next week. And we saw SHR win at Phoenix last year. We saw Chase Briscoe take himself all the way to the round of eight last year. But Stuart Haas Racing just isn't consistent, and there's no saving grace coming anytime soon. With Bush possibly leaving, with Smithfield probably leaving, when Almarola leaves, which can't be too much further down the line. And it's like, what do you got? I mean, Bush is leaving? Yeah, but well, yeah, well, not Kyle Bush, but Bush Beer, Anheuser Bush is. It sounds like they're going to be leaving Stuart Haas Racing, Um, Ross Chastain and Trackhouse. They seem to be the front runner to possibly get them, so that could be big. Um, But what are your thoughts on Stuart Haas Racing right now? Because they're honestly, they're a mess. They're not in a good spot. I'm just stuck on the fact that I thought Kyle was going to be gone. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I got your expectations up so much there. I know I did. I'm sorry. I apologize. Oh, dang. Making guys are leaving, too? Yeah, probably. When Almirola is out, they're likely out, too. The only reason that, that you know, uh, Smithfield or Stuart Haas Racing had to offer something to Smithfield to make them stay because... They were, SHR was panicking when they heard Smithfield was leaving because that's a lot of sponsorship dollars gone because Smithfield's been without Marola forever now. Wow. I don't even know. What were we talking about? <laughs> that's just crazy. It is. It really is. Um, yeah, so what are, what are your thoughts? I mean, SHR is obviously struggling. You know, Kevin Harvick is really their only saving grace right now. With how poor Almarola, Priest, and Briscoe have started the year, what do you think's next for SHR, especially once Kevin Harvick leaves? Like, where where do they go for, you know, could they find a new free agent? You know, what w- what's their business plan right now? If you're sitting in one of their board meetings, they're gonna figure something out. They do. I, that's what I'm saying. No. That's what I'm saying. No. I'm, it, there's a reason I am not in that position. <laughs> Absolutely, I agree. Um, it's interesting, I though. I crash. <laughs> a lot. Uh, it's interesting, though, with Tony Stewart being a three-time champion and being an owner, he's not all that involved with the team. I mean, he's in that really kind of funny Mahindra commercial with Chase Briscoe. But, you know, his wife's an NHRA driver. He's there a lot. He's not always at the NASCAR track. He's expressed displeasure with how NASCAR is running things. And with that, and Gene Haas not really being all hands-on with NASCAR either, I'm not saying SHR is going to be gone in five or ten years, but I'm saying that SHR is going to be... Yeah, their their reign is, is over. I mean, Kevin Harvick, what he did there was incredible. What they did there from 2009 to 2020 was incredible, but it seems like they're on the downfall right now. And Chase Briscoe may very well be that saving grace. You know, we don't know what his ceiling is, but he's going to have to find it real soon. Uh, Time to preview Phoenix now real quick, and then we'll take a look at the uh, trouble surrounding the uh, Chicago street race, possibly. Um, Chase Briscoe did win this race last year. SHR and Ford was very strong here last year. Um, so we're not going to do polar wind picks yet, Emily, but I do want, you know, 
Last year in the fall, Joey Logano, another forward one here. It seems like the Blue Oval is going to be very strong there again. So what are you expecting? Who are you expecting to run up front? Um, and I will say, as a Bowman and Bubba fan, I'm not really looking forward to this weekend. It is a homecoming race for Alex Bowman and Michael McDowell. But both Bubba and Bowman only have one top ten here in the NASCAR Cup Series each. So not looking forward to it for them. But who do you think will run up front? Who do you think will run in the back? And who do you think will be a, a front runner? I don't think Logano is going to. I really don't. Really? Um, I think I think he's past his prime. Um, I think. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, Joey, you just got roasted, dude. Ooh, bird. What's the response? Did I just call him old? I mean, <laughs> he's only like thirty-four, so he's probably got ten years left. <laughs> 30-year-old calls a 34-year-old old. That's what uh, happens when you start racing in the Cup Series at 18. And it's true. I, you know, I just, I think he's a great racer. I just don't think he's fantastic. I don't see him running on the front of this. Um, I, I mean, I could be wrong, obviously. But, man, I, I'm still a believer in Larson. Like, listen, I'm Absolutely. kind of like a low-key Larson fan. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that at all. I Kyle Larson. I like Kyle Larson. So you like the other Kyle. Kyle. Fan. Yeah. I like the good Kyle. <laughs> well, I mean, he does have a win there, and it was for the championship. And, and you know, Hendrick is, yeah. you know, they're all they're a contender everywhere. And Kyle Larson, he kind of feel. I think he has that chip on his shoulder of, hey, last week kind of stolen from me. I want this checkered flag this week. I, You know, it's not... Get it. He he will. He will be one motivated guy. So we're going to take uh, probably our last little commercial break. We'll come back, talk about the Chicago Street Race for a hot minute, then give our poll and win picks for Phoenix. All right, so I'm going to start this off by saying this sentence. We're not getting political here, but we kind of have to talk about slight politics here for a second if we really want to delve into this subject. Um, Emily, we know two Chicagoans. We know them pretty well. Um, sure do. Exactly. And did you say Betsy was trying to get tickets to this race? I know she was talking about she really wants to go or at least see part of it or experience some of it, whether she sees the race or not. Just because uh, as Chicagoans, they're like, this is cool. Like, this is in our city. Yeah. Um, we we can't not go. Well, I well, first of all, God bless her for trying to get tickets because I saw something today where it said single-day general admission tickets are $269, and I know it's a race taking place in the Chicago area, but you're not going to attract any, hardly any, like, blue-collar grassroots fans with that. And second of all, I I love the fact that they're excited about it. I really do. But they may very well be the only Chicagoans in that entire city that are excited about it. Just what I'm seeing, that doesn't mean, you know, I'm sure there's some NASCAR fans in Chicago that are elated they're getting a race. But it seems like the majority... Yeah, it seems like the majority of the city, and I think it has to do with, with some tradition that's getting taken away. You know, they're, they're obviously not NASCAR's main fan base. That's what NASCAR's trying to do is build a core fan base here, uh, build a fan base in these bigger markets. That's what they're trying to do with L.A. and The Clash. That's what they may try to do with New York in a street race there. That's obviously what they're trying to do here, but they're also taking away a 4th of July weekend festival at Grant Park. Um, they're moving that. That that's a big tradition that Chicagoans have been doing for a really long time now. Um, they're just kind of invading. And that when NASCAR comes to town for something like this, 
it is not a weekend thing because it's a party all weekend at the race and at the concerts and everything they're doing as well. They got like the Black Keys and Miranda Lambert and all these famous people coming in. But it's also work um, closing down. I mean, it's a street race. The streets of Chicago are going to have to be closed because they got to make the course. They got to set up the walls and set up the grandstands and do all that stuff. So it's interrupting the lives of Chicagoans, which I get that. But, I mean, you know, we all going to make sacrifices sometimes. We'll see how good the racing is. Um, but, but the main thing I want to talk about here is that this race may be in jeopardy. Not this year. I highly doubt this year, if anything went wrong, they'd probably go to Chicagoland or do something there. Um, but because the mayor, Lori Lightfoot, who was really pushing for this, she and NASCAR were really pushing for it, but especially her, um, it seems like the rest of Chicago's government was kind of on the side of most Chicagoans, as it seems, and that they did not want this race to come to the city, but Lori Lightfoot really pushed for it. Uh, she lost re-election. And so I'm not saying it's in jeopardy this year. If it is, you know, big deal. We go to Chicago. I believe they signed a two- or three-year deal. But, man, I'm a little nervous right now because 2024, 2025, I don't know who their new mayor is, but this race may be getting axed. And I think NASCAR is going to do what they can to keep it, but it very well may be getting chopped off the schedule because, I mean, you know, politics. But it doesn't seem like they want it. And more power to them if they don't, but it's something's going to have to give here because it's a, it's a big city going up against a multi-billion dollar sanctioning body. And I know you're not entirely in the loop in this, and I'm not either, but what are your thoughts on the whole thing? What do you think NASCAR can do to maybe keep it if it, you know, after this year? What do you think, you know, Chicago should do? Just what do you think about this whole deal? Because it's a kind of messy situation here. It's government versus sanctioning body. As far as beyond this year, I think it's probably going to depend on how does this year look? Yeah. What does it do for the city? Does, exactly, like, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's going to bring revenue, and that's huge for a city. Obviously, Chicago has a lot of people already and whatnot, but <laughs> big events like this, not to compare it to, like, the Olympics, but you think about, like, cities that host the Olympics and truly what it does for them as a city, um, though I know that's always debatable as well. As well. <laughs> but, you know. Um, so I think, you know, how does it, does it benefit them? Is it more pain than it's worth? Whatever. So forget politics, forget NASCAR fans. I really think, um, after this first year, it's going to depend on that. Yeah, um, I do too. Said, I just, you, you never know. Yeah. Um, and listen, the contract may just be enough that they just deal with it. Exactly. Yeah. I, I agree there. Um, I, I think it's not going to be so much as how the racing is, but I, I agree that it's going to be. What does it do monetarily for the city? Because as soulless as some politicians are, money still is a big deal, especially for a city that they care deeply about. And I think if it does bring enough revenue, which we'll see, I'm not uh, an accountant or involved in finance in any way, shape, or form, but I, I don't know if it's going to be you know um, a, a net gain or a net loss with the city in terms of you know, what they're able to, you know, how much it's going to cost to set up the whole thing. I don't know how, what the capacity of the place is going to be. Obviously, it's going to be a lot of temporary grandstands, but if they're selling single-day general admission tickets for $269 a piece, they're going to rake in some cheddar. 
Um, and it's like I think it's like three hundred forty dollars for a pass for both days for the Xfinity race, for the IMSA race, and all the concerts and all that stuff. So they're going to be making money off ticket sales. It's probably going to be sold out just for the event part of it. But I agree. I think it really, oh gosh, I can't talk. Really, will come down to um, how the city interprets it as a financial loss, as you know, how did they do for tourism? Because I said, you know, not. Hardly any blue-collar fans are going to buy tickets. There are a dedicated group of NASCAR fans from, you know, places like where we play, you know, places that you consider quintessential NASCAR places. The Carolinas, Tennessee, Virginia, Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, places like that where there are diehard fans. There's probably some people that go to every single race. There's probably fans that pick a race or two, go to them. So they are going to have some tourists. But I, I completely agree. I, I think how it goes this year in terms of finances, how it goes in terms of what it does for the city uh, will determine that, more so than the racing product. That might have a slight effect on it, especially from NASCAR's stance. Um, but we'll kind of have to wait and see. So we're going to take one last little commercial break, come back, and finish out the show with our poll and win picks for Phoenix. All right. Time for poll and win picks. I'm gonna, let me pull up my notes page so I can go ahead and document your picks. Now, you're not going to be very happy about this, but Kyle Busch is back in the Xfinity race, and I, and I kind of picked him to win this weekend. I'm not going to pick him to sweep the weekend, or at least not yet. I haven't actually made up my mind on who I'm going to pick yet. But who is your pole position pick for Phoenix Raceway? Um, for the pole, I'm going Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch, all right. Because he's going to crash on lap one or something like yeah. that. Okay, I yeah. figured. You can go first to last. <laughs> I figured that couldn't there couldn't be any. Uh, I figured there was some malintent behind that. I just wasn't completely sure. Didn't want to jump the gun there. Um, I know Denny Hamlin's going to win this race, but let's say some independence types Independence Day type crap happens, and his car gets shot out of the sky by a big flying saucer. Who will be in second to come across the line? And take the checkered flag. You picked Kyle Larson to do it last week. Uh -huh. Who do you think it'll be this week? It's gonna be Kyle. It's gonna be. Kyle. It's gonna be Kyle Busch. Okay, that's an interesting no. pick considering. <laughs> that's an interesting pick considering uh, what you just said. But uh, I, I mean, you know, people's hearts change. Kyle Larson. Okay. He very nearly did it last week. Finished second last week. I think I. I think he'll be hungry. Out. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So, my poll pick, um, I think Kyle Larson's going to lead the field of the green flag. Um, I really do. I, I think they'll come out guns a-blazing on Saturday. Um, and they do have, so practice and qualifying, usually what it's been these past few years because of COVID and everything, it's been like a 20-minute session then qualifying right after. Because of the new rules package, they're giving teams more time to figure it out. So they're going to give them 50 minutes of practice on Friday. I didn't go through the weekend schedule, did I? I'll do that later, um, right after I'm done with the picks. But they're going to give them 50 minutes of practice on Friday afternoon before the ARCA race and get that squared away. So... My poll pick is Kyle Larson, my race win pick. This guy was runner-up there in the fall. He has a long winless streak going. Ford has been so good at Phoenix, and I think he's going to close it out. I think he's going to break that winless streak, and I think he's going to prove Kyle Petty wrong in his comments this week that he has, quote, done nothing in his NASCAR Cup Series career. Ryan Blaney, I think he will grab the win, lock himself into the playoffs, and become the first 
afford to win this season. So we'll see. Uh, weekend schedule, I should have done this at the start of the show. I completely forgot. Practice is at 6.30 Eastern Time on Fox Sports 2 on Friday afternoon. Qualifying is at 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Saturday, March 11th on FS1. Then the race itself is at 3.30 Eastern on Fox, MRN, and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Practice and qualifying are also on MRN as well. So, Emily. Final thoughts here. Final thoughts on Las Vegas, any of the stuff we talked about, and uh, Phoenix going into race four of the season. I mean, my final thoughts are just I'm, I'm psyched up for the season. Like, it's going to be awesome. It is going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to the desert. Hopefully this package. I heard Jay McMurray say earlier in the week that there hasn't been a good race at Phoenix since 1989, and that was the first year the track opened. So we'll That's see. Funny. I kind of agree. There hasn't really been any just fantastic moments there, but we'll see. So thank you all so much for watching, listening. If you just downloaded this, you may very well be the 100th downloader. So remember that when we're the, you know, the most downloaded podcast in the history of podcasts. Um, if you're on YouTube, you should like, subscribe, comment, and share. Emily, we still need to help you come up with like something to say at the end of these podcasts because it's really I know, we gotta like think about that. It varies by podcast it. platform, but but share it, follow it, rate it, um, do all that stuff. Uh, so as for the rest of the week for the schedule tomorrow um, on YouTube, I'm gonna put out a video about Stuart Haas Racing podcast. We're going full Phoenix preview, talking about nothing but Phoenix on what uh, Friday on the podcast we're going to be back with another episode of History Buffs we're going to be looking at Kevin Harvick's run here at Phoenix of four straight wins then on YouTube that day is the Cup pre-race show Saturday and Sunday Xfinity and Cup post-race shows and Sunday night or Monday morning depending uh, the post-race podcast um, and we'll see the schedule is going to be a little wonky this weekend like I said moving houses a lot of stuff's going to be happening but hopefully I can get this all out for you guys. So thank you for coming on, Emily, for this very long yeah, show. Appreciate it. Can't wait to have you on the probably the, the cut pre-race show and a couple days on YouTube and, and the post-race podcast and show. Going to be a lot of fun. Thank you all for watching, listening, all that. Adios, amigos.